Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello, this is episode six of the only podcast which is made for people who work in commercial real estate in Asia Pacific and want to achieve success more quickly. We are now over the halfway mark for season one of CRE Success, the podcast. I did promise to deliver 10 episodes as part of this first season. And if you haven't heard the first five episodes, make sure you go back and check them out after, of course, you listen to today's interview. Standing by is Sarah Blackmore. She's a director at Colliers International, where she leads retail property management for the firm in Victoria. Given Sarah's role in retail, we're gonna delve into the impact of COVID-19 on shopping centres. We'll also discuss her views on leadership, how to manage a team remotely, and we'll be talking about how diversity makes our industry better. At the beginning of last week's episode, I noted a few milestones that we've reached in terms of getting into the top 20 in the Apple Podcasts careers charts in a few countries. I'm pleased to report that over the past week, we've cracked that nut in a few more markets in Asia Pacific. We've reached number five in Singapore, number seven in Hong Kong, and number 18 in India. We also have new listeners in Malaysia, Japan, and even Canada. As always, wherever you are, thanks so much for being with us. Stick around. My interview with Sarah Blackmore starts in 30 seconds. Your workplace is a place for collaboration, for communication and inspiration. As experts in workplace, Unispace knows that no two businesses are the same and the journey to creating your best and most productive space starts with you. Unispace's in-house strategy team provides workplace assessments. They use data to ensure your space is designed to enable maximum productivity and is a place your staff want to be, not just have to be. Visit unispace.com to reinvigorate your workplace. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Sarah, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. So at the start of our episode, we always ask our guests to step into the virtual elevator and to give us their 20 to 30 second introduction, their so-called elevator pitch of who they are. So Sarah, who are you? Well, Darren, uh, I'm Sarah Blackmore. I'm the Director of Retail Real Estate Management for Colliers in Victoria. I've worked in property pretty much my entire career. I really love the the various elements of it, but fundamentally I'm a, I'm a big people person, really enjoy working with a diverse group of people, um, certainly something our industry has in spades. I'm quite driven and, and I push myself to to do the best and be the best that I can be, but I also really enjoy working with people that, that are quite like-minded, but, you know, mindful that we are all different. But um, seeing the outcomes and, you know, the success of what we can achieve all together is really what continues to drive me to want to grow and, and want to evolve in my career in property. How is it that you first got started in property? I didn't really um, come out of school thinking that I did want to work in property. It all seemed to happen by accident, really. I went to university and I studied fashion marketing and I I decided to take a, a small break from that course and I got a job in a local real estate agency uh, close by to where I lived. And I was working in 
residential sales. I, I really caught the bug quite early. I think I enjoyed the, the different people that I worked with, including the clients and, and the tangibility, if that's a word, of property, that it's something that's visible. It's something that we can see the the outcomes of, of our successes. And then I started a role at the Gandal Group, working in their retail development team. Well, of course, you've stuck with shopping centres since then. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your current role at Collier's? Sure. My main responsibilities are working with clients to add value to their assets, uh, also leading the team here in Victoria to achieve the best property management and leasing outcomes possible for our clients. I work collaboratively with my, with my colleagues uh, amongst pro, uh, project leasing, retail investments, retail valuations and the projects team and fundamentally we work together to deliver streamlined um, one-stop shop for our clients that, that meet the needs of their businesses and, um, and their properties. Very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about coronavirus because obviously the impact on retail has been quite varied. We've seen apparel stores feeling like they have no choice to close, but to close. We've seen um, personal services forced to close. We've seen supermarkets become almost essential services and F&B retailers adjusting their business model in order to keep doors open. Um, at the time of recording, we're just starting to transition into reduced restrictions for many retailers. So what has Collier's role been in advising shopping centre owners in how to respond to this crisis? We anticipated a myriad of different scenarios in advance and we mobilised a, a coronavirus response team. That team met daily uh, and cascaded updates to the broader teams. From a real estate management perspective, we also met daily and provided regular guidance to our clients as well as formal weekly updates to our retailers. Some of our clients had their own protocols that we worked with, whereas many didn't and relied on our expertise to give them direction on how to manage through coronavirus, including guidance for their own businesses to move to remote working. Our teams have had great relationships with our retailers before coronavirus and certainly through coronavirus. And they've been able to continue to work closely through the period. It's been really impressive, actually, to see retailers reinvent their businesses to keep trading through the ever-changing restrictions. And equally impressive the way our teams have been able to adapt to the change in the way we work. I'm really, really proud of my team for the way they've conducted themselves professionally and respectfully during this time, especially the way they've worked with our retailers. So, Sarah, in terms of how you game plan certain scenarios while you were preparing for the coronavirus restrictions that were eventually put in place, was the end result or was the outcome as restrictive as you thought it would be or was it less restrictive than you thought it would be when you were, um, when you were wargaming all of the various scenarios <laughs> that could occur? Oh, look, it was certainly a challenge around trying to predict what would, what would come to us. We did work on some scenarios where we might be faced with a full lockdown, for example, and we did look to what happened in other countries uh, and, and effectively put some procedures in, in place in anticipation of whether that might occur. And also we looked to our colleagues in Asia Pacific that had already been quite advanced in how they had to respond given the events of coronavirus were accelerated. We did have to 
look at the various scenarios and I, I guess as a team looking at what we thought would come to light. Uh, fortunately, you know, we did prepare things like set full centre lockdown plans and, and various scenarios around how would we manage the properties if only essential services were to trade and then trying to predict what would be considered an essential service by the government. Right. So it was a matter of uh, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Absolutely. So how is your team working with retailers? A lot of them are under unprecedented pressure in terms of their, their turnover performance and how they operate. Obviously, shopping centre managers are serving their clients, which are the shopping centre owners, but you need to be mindful of the impact on retailers. So how is that something that your team manages? We're very mindful that our clients aren't just our clients being the landlords. Our clients are also our tenants and they're our customers in the centre as well as the shoppers in the centre. Being mindful of um, the pressures that the retailers were under going through this period, putting some best practice to them, some suggestions for how they could potentially trade through. We, we looked at a number of different um, marketing support opportunities that we could do to help continue to promote the fact that they were trading, albeit in a reduced capacity for for cafes and restaurants and the like, acting in a, effectively a partnership and having that great communication and relationships that we already did have with our retailers put us in a good position to be able to work closely with them to support them, but on the other side, that they continued, even if they were not able to trade, to continue to be in communication with us around what they were doing in the background or, you know, the the challenges that they were facing and, and to be able to work together to to come to a, um, a point with them that when they're ready to start trading, that they were able to do that quite smoothly. So I, I think uh, challenging or unfortunate as it all has been, it, it, we're looking at the positive and what's come out of this is the strong relationships that we have both with our retailers and with our clients. So if I could ask you to get your crystal ball out. And what do you see as some permanent changes in the way that we uh, do our shopping and in the way that shopping centres operate in the aftermath of COVID-19? I really believe that by nature, uh, humans, we want an experience. We, whilst shopping centres are a place to purchase um, goods and, and services, People really want a full experience. So it's not just the, the end purchase, it's how it makes them feel. That's something that online will never replace. I think that there certainly has been a place where, where online shopping has served a purpose during this period, but it's never going to replace the importance and the, and the connection that our customers have with bricks and mortar. Well, I, I actually queued to go into a Kmart a couple of weeks ago. So I think that if I'm willing to line up to get into Kmart, then there must be something about being there and experiencing it that is real because um, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd line up to, uh, to get into a Kmart. Absolutely. And one, one other thing that we've noticed is we've already seen a resurgence in spending in, in bricks and mortar real estate, which just reinforces the theory or you know the view that 
that bricks and mortar uh, serve a purpose and they're not going anywhere. ANZ and, and CBA card transactions data has shown a recovery already with ANZ recently reporting a 2.3% increase from last year and CBA showing a 4% increase. Now that's, that's card data transactions in centre. All right, well, let's shift gears. You touched a little bit on some of the things that you really love about working in real estate. Could you pinpoint what your favourite thing is about our industry? Well, I said at the beginning of this episode that I'm very much a people person and and I think uh, people make our business, people make our industry. Without our people, we don't have a business. Uh, We don't have an industry. And I I love the diversity of, of people that you get to work with every day. So, that's my favourite part. Of course, you're in charge of managing a, a large and geographically dispersed team. So what's the most challenging part of managing people who are dispersed across the state? I, I really think the key is communication and establishing a relationship and a connection very early on in the piece. So whilst it's important to have that face-to-face time, sometimes you can't just, you know, step into a meeting room and that person's right there in front of you. But if you've already established uh, a good base, the connection works quite seamlessly. And I'll just take something out of COVID and and what that's taught us is that we actually can work remotely. um, And whilst it is, it does have its own challenges. If you maintain regular, regular and close communication with your team, you can still maintain the same, the same focus and, and still achieve the same outcomes. Yeah, I think people who are managing dispersed teams can have a lot to share in this new environment of social distancing when many people will be managing people from a distance. So, so good to hear those, those tips. I'm interested to hear from you about what you think makes a great leader because uh, I know that you've spent a bit of time thinking about how your leadership impacts the team. So what is it that you think is important when it comes to leadership? I think one of the conversations, first conversations that even you and I had, Darren, was um, I used the word authenticity. And to be a, a, a real authentic leader means that you need to also show that you're a human being and that you are, you're going through the same challenges as the people in your team. To be able to be vulnerable at times, knowing that we all have bad days and we all have great days and often teams look to the leader and, and don't really see that they, that they think that everything's going swimmingly and, and, and to understand that, that the leader also has the same challenges as they do. Or on the flip side, to, to show to the team that I understand where they're coming from and, and, and I'm empathetic with, with the challenges that they're going through. Being passionate is, for me, really important component not just of being a leader but also uh, of enjoying what you do and and that comes through in in that authenticity pace where you you can show your team that you're you may be the leader but you're still you're still able to have a, a a regular conversation and have fun that's a really big component of of what makes an enjoyable workplace for your team something for me is you know looking to continually grow 
how I do that is I ask my team for feedback. So not just my team, but my peers, the people around me. And I ask for them to give me real feedback. So not just what they think I want to hear, but I, I can't grow. No leader can grow if people are just around them all the time telling them what they think they want to hear. So just to clarify, that was authentic, vulnerability, passionate, and the abilities to solicit feedback. Yes. Very good. Thinking about everyone in our industry, what do you think is an important attribute that everyone needs to succeed in commercial real estate? Ah, um, I think passion's the big word. Being able to really enjoy what you do for the product, as I said before, whether it is shopping centre management, commercial management, whether it's working in valuations or leasing or any of the various roles in our industry, if you're not passionate, I really doubt that there's going to be that same level of success there. If you could give one piece of advice to someone at the start of their commercial real estate career, what would it be? Take on projects. So, so often we, we start and we've got a job description and, and we, we tend to um, think that fundamentally that's what we're there for and, yes, that, what, that is what we're there for. However, through my career, I've been fortunate to, to grow and develop by taking on more. So if someone is offered to partake in a project or take on some additional work, albeit temporarily, really think about that before you say no, because the opportunities that that can open up for you are are, are quite substantial. So just think before you say no. That's good advice. Let's discuss women in commercial real estate and leadership. How much progress have you observed during your career in this area and what else do you think needs to be done to ensure our industry can continue to close the equality gap? When I started in the industry, there are a lot of men in leadership roles, especially in development uh, and project management where I spent a lot of my early days. There There were women in the industry and certainly noticeable around the office. However, a lot of them were in administrative type roles. However, over the years, I've seen a significant shift with more women taking on and being given more opportunities in senior roles. I do believe very strongly that people should be considered for roles based on merit and capability, not just because a company needs a female on a board or to balance their gender numbers. Within Collier's uh, real estate management leadership team is equally proportionate to female leaders uh, to male leaders, as well as through our real estate management business. So I certainly think that we've come a long way as an industry. Have we still got some way to go? Yes, we do. But fundamentally, I'm quite proud to work work in an industry that um, that celebrates the, the differences of people and, and being in a leadership role in a business such as Collier's um, it's nice to see that I'm not the only female leader. We all add something different uh, in our own uniqueness, whether we're male or female. Well, Sarah, there's just one other question I'd like to ask you, and it's about managing a busy schedule and having time for your personal life and for your work life. So what's been your strategy to balance life's competing priorities and how has that developed over your career? Uh, it's a funny word, balance, isn't it? Um, 
I think that it, when we look at or we think about the word balance, it effectively implies that we need to have an equal uh, distribution of, of our time or energy spent. I think that we need to um, integrate out the various components of our life, whether that's work, family, friends, relationships, exercise, or whatever it is that we, we feel that uh, we need. From, from my personal perspective, some weeks there's a lot going on at work and I don't, um, I don't necessarily have the same amount of time to spend at home with my family. However, on, at other times, family is calling for, for, more, uh, for more attention. So I guess it's just it's an ebb and flow. And um, I think that at the end of the day, if you make sure that, that overall both components or all components as say work and family have sufficient energy and attention that's the key for me you know I've got two two young gish children uh, and I've worked since they were very young but from my perspective I, I'm quite um, I'm quite proud of, of how I've instilled an ethic in them being two young boys that both mum and dad are equal and and I think that that has made them more comfortable with the um, going back to the gender conversation around how showing them that men and women are equal, that mum does the same amount of housework that dad does or the same amount of cooking that dad does. And I think in this day and age, that's something that's really important. One thing that, that I uh, have, I, I guess, promised myself personally, you talk about juggling, is take some time every day for me. Some people might say, or, you know, I've got a, I think it was you, Darren, you, you go for a five kilometre run every day. But for me, that doesn't necessarily work. It depends on, on what the schedule is for that day. But as long as I do something in my day, whether that's exercise or read a book or meditate or have a phone call with a girlfriend, something that's for me uh, every day is, I think, something that keeps me grounded, that allows me to continue to juggle the various priorities from a work, family, life perspective. Well, that's interesting, Sarah. You started that question saying balance is a funny word and we heard that you and your husband share the housework 50-50, so it sounds like you've perfected balance in the home, which is great to hear. (laughs) I wouldn't say perfected, but um, it works for us. Very good. Well, uh, I really enjoyed hearing about what you had to say about passion. I couldn't agree more. Uh, also, what you were saying about taking those opportunities when they're offered early in people's careers, so important. Really great talking to you, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on CRE Success, the podcast. Thanks for having me. For more information about our guest, visit CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sarah. Before we wrap up today, I wanted to remind you about my ebook, which I've released. It's called The Five P's of Commercial Real Estate Success. I created this ebook as a way to document what I found to be the most common attributes of successful people in our industry. In previous roles, I've been lucky enough to have close access to some very successful people. And what I found is, 
there is not a certain personality type that is common amongst successful people in commercial real estate. I've also noticed that some of the people who rise to the top are not necessarily the smartest people in the business. And in some cases, they're not even the hardest working in their slice of the industry. Although I would say working pretty hard and having high standards is generally something that they do have in common. Instead, what I've seen as the traits successful people have in common is that they all identify where their passion lies and how their job helps them fulfill that. So they know why they do what they do. They are the people who are persistent in the way they go after things. They know what they want and they don't give up easily. They always have a positive attitude. They're the type of people that ask how things can be done, not why they can't be done. The most successful people are well prepared in that they take the time required to succeed and they act professionally when they need to be in the zone. The good news is these are all attributes which can be adopted. If you'd like to learn more about it, just head to our website, cresuccess.co and follow the prompts to get your free copy of the ebook, The 5 P's of Commercial Real Estate Success. That's at cresuccess.co. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co. If you're interested in the flexible workplace boom that's happening right now across Australia, Hub Australia is one of the best operators with seven beautiful sites in four capital cities. They offer premium workspaces with desks, offices and suites and partner with landlords and corporate customers to provide and produce high quality workspaces, making sure their members love coming to work. If you have a client or partner looking for their next workspace or business opportunity, contact hello at hubaustralia.com or visit hubaustralia.com.